back to the Monica Matthews show. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday, America <laughs> and beyond. America, America, beyond. So happy Veterans Day. Happy Veterans Day. So lively conversation on my Twitter feed for usual uh, regarding Veterans Day. I had a veteran actually chime in and, and you know, the basic conclusion was, hey, I, I kind of wish that people did not see us as heroes Um, rather, you know, just everyday people who made a decision to defend the nation. I'm paraphrasing, but ultimately, you know, his assertion or hers, I'm assuming was a male. Um, the assertion was, you know, sometimes there are bad actors in every camp. That's one assertion, right? And so not everyone who's ever worn the uniform is a quote hero, right? And the other assertion was, hey, you know, we just chose what we did and we don't deserve any more recognition than someone who gets up and goes to work every day. Now, many of you would disagree with that. Um, and that's your, that's your prerogative to do so. It was also this person's prerogative to say he did serve, he or she did serve. I'm assuming it's male. He did serve. Um, and I believe so in a naval capa- capacity, um, at the very least, you know, a fighter pilot from, from everything that I can surmise, I do not have a, a personal relationship with this, with this follower, but I put it up for discussion for all of you to, um, chime in, right? Someone accused me of being an antagonist in putting that up. And I thought to myself, isn't that interesting that we've become so weak in our ability for civil discourse or for any type of critical thinking or, you know, just uh, the attempt to understand from whence a person is coming, right, with their own opinions. We're so quick to, you suck, that's stupid, you're awful, uh, you know, up yours. I mean, it is it is brutal on Twitter for sure. Um, it is the WWE of, uh, or WWF, whatever it is, of social media platforms. It just is. Like, it is not for the weak or the, the faint of heart, but that is where many of the weak-minded and the faint of heart go in order to just, you know, one-off people. And I was very disheartened by some of the initial responses that were just immediately crucifying this person's character. And again, this is someone who served, right? I tend to see things multidimensionally whenever in this sphere of communication of people, right? And so I'm not good at geometry. That's for sure. Anyone who knows me can tell you that. Architect, forget it. I thought that might be the path I was going to go down and absolutely not. Now, I can be an architect of many things, but a building is not one of them, which is why I hire people to do that. And I'm, I love that. I just admire that skill set um, and people's ability to you know, um, to be mathematically inclined, right? That, that is, I love that. It's just very admirable because it's not my skill set. 
um, the way that I would like for it to be. So I pray about that regularly. I'm not jealous of other people and their ability to do so. I actually admire that. I encourage it. I like to highlight it and I love to celebrate. I love to celebrate our differences. I love to celebrate our uniqueness because it matters because it's godly to do so because we all have different talents and gifts and God made it that way. And it's okay. And it's okay to have a differing of opinions. It's okay for someone who wore the uniform to say, um, I don't think we deserve to be worshipped. And that's where I was going with the conversation. I just wanted thoughtful dialogue. It wasn't to be antagonistic. And that person was blocked immediately. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm not going to make time anymore for people who who heave false accusations about me and my character online. I will not engage you. I'm not going to spend another second on you. I'm only sharing it with you all so that you know if you come at me with a false accusation about my character, you are simply going to go bye-bye. We do not live on the same level of consciousness, so we have nothing further to discuss. And it's just that that's how I keep my life simple. That's how I keep my garden weeded. And that's how I keep false accusers because I'm going to tell you why. And hopefully this will resonate with you because it's the word of God as it is written. The words of a talebearer go down into the innermost parts of the being and they cause wounds. Your spirit man is in your belly. When someone lies to you about someone else, to you about the country, to you about an ethnicity, to you about your country, to you about you, it goes down into your innermost parts of your being, which is, which is stored in your belly, your spirit man, and it causes wounds. And that's exactly what it's intended to do. So if you come at me with that kind of crap, you simply go bye-bye because you're lying about me. And you don't even know me. So if we can't have a critical conversation and just in, in an adult, mature dialogue online, you don't need to follow me. And I have fun and I flirt and I'm silly and I'm nuts and I'm, and I'm pissed. I mean, you name it. You see me in my raw humanity. You also see me leading. You see me uh, not backing down. You see me standing on the word of God. You see me in all of my imperfection and I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not guilty because of it and neither are you. So that's how I roll. And if you're not okay with that, you don't need to follow me. So there. Anyway. So this conversation devolves rapidly and on Twitter and I jump in to go, whoa, 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 before all of you guys get nuts and start accusing this person of vicious, vicious. I mean, the responses were becoming very vicious and this guy doesn't need me to defend him, but it is my wall. And I asked a question because I wanted thoughtful responses, not well, screw him or he's an idiot. He clearly never worn the uniform. I mean, just stupid, immature stuff. Like we're all in an eighth grade playground and someone just stole your sandwich and kicked you in the pants that are too big or too short. So it's just dumb, right? So I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I want some thoughtful dialogue. And lo and behold, this person chimes back in, which is what I was hoping was going to happen. And what you heard, what I heard as a minister listening, listening for any nuance of what's really going on down in that heart and that mind, the nuance was this. The grief that most of our veterans feel right now regarding our our sacred institutions as a nation and the absolute infiltration 
of people who hate liberty, people who do not stand with the sovereignty of this nation, who wear that same uniform, who wear medals on their jackets, who are decorated from the rooter to the tutor, right? These guys, many veterans are grieved because they don't think their service matters. Because if this is the direction in which this country can go this rapidly, by the hand, at the hand and the mercy, and at the direction of a few bad apples, and I realize they've had decorated pasts, I'm talking about right now. Remember I always say how you finish matters and you got a whole lot of stuff that goes on in between that little, you know, born on this day and that little hyphen in between 1971 hyphen whenever, right? And that hyphen, there's a lot of stuff that goes on and how you finish matters. General Colin Powell's death highlighted a lot of that for a lot of people. There were things that I felt like many people uh, were honoring with regard to his service Others saw exactly where his service led him politically that did not align with um, a decorated man of honor, according to some people. And so that's how he's going to be remembered for a lot of people. I tend to look at things uh, in a way, again, dimensionally, whenever it comes to people, right? But yes, I realize how you finish matters. I don't lie about people. I don't make someone out to be a hero who isn't a hero just because you're wearing a uniform. And I think I'm like that because my father wore that uniform. He was 17 years old, left his family, left high school early to sign up and go to World War II and carried the scars of that war in his soul for his entire life until he died at 88. So I have no compulsion to idolize or worship anyone in or out of uniform. I'm grateful. I honor you. I thank you for your service to this country. Now, maybe it's also because I am friends with and happen to love dearly many men who were in a, well, I say many, but a a few actually, because there's only a few men who are willing to go the extra mile of being out there in a special forces capacity. I mean, they're called spec ops for a reason. Not everyone can make it through those crucibles for a reason. Not everyone is wired for that level of combat, that level of sacrifice. That, to me, is heroic. That, to me, is above average. Keep in mind, you're listening to a woman who believes that every person in this country should serve two years in our armed services. And I do not believe that women need to be on the front lines of battle. But I do believe it is a beautiful thing for you from 18 to 20 to be enrolled in and engaged in understanding what it means to stand as a nation and to stand for the sovereignty of this nation. That's just how I feel. And if I was young enough to do it, I would go back and actually did consider, I mean, I was in uh, uh, Air Force ROTC in high school. Um, I considered going into the Air Force. I wanted to fly. My sister was in the Air Force, worked on jet engine mechanics, thought it was the coolest thing ever, spent summers at McDill, you know, in, in fighter plane cockpits, just daydreaming about being a fighter pilot. 
on behalf of this country. Vision did not allow for that. It's fine. It is what it is. But I wanted to serve uh, this country. And then my life took a different turn. But had it been mandatory, boy, it would have it would have shaped things in me that I really needed. I really needed certain aspects of that discipline. And some people see it as, well, they're going to break your spirit. They're just trying to break you down. And everybody, you know, let's talk about a homogenization pool. And it is all political. And sure, we all know that a lot of that is political. But there's nothing like understanding brotherhood. There's nothing like understanding and honoring brotherhood. When you realize that there's blood on the line. There's nothing like that. And the discipline that comes with you having your shh together because the guy next to you is going to die if you don't. And you could too. And that to me is the ultimate God saying, there's no greater love than a man lay down his life for his brother. That is what I celebrate on Veterans Day. I'm not worshiping anyone in uniform. I'm not going to idolize anyone in uniform. And I'm, I'm very clear, and you should be as well, that there are horrible human beings wearing the uniform today and have throughout history. So just because you're a veteran does not give you a pass in my book to be uh, a traitor to this country. And it will never give you a pass in my book to being a traitor to this country. If anything, you're a disgrace to this country and to the uniform or your behavior, I should say, is a disgrace. I, you know, I'm really, when I say that the Holy Spirit convicts me because people, you know, no one is too far from the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We have the apostle Paul, you know, as perfect witness. We have my own life as witness to that. So, you know, I, I'm trying to move away and I'm getting more and more convicted by the Holy Spirit to move away from this. You are this and you are that. Um, but your behavior right? Like with the people who falsely accuse me, your behavior is something I simply won't tolerate. And it tells me something about where you are in your spirituality. And it's not where I am. And I don't want you in my garden <laughs> there. And so same thing with traitors in uniforms. I just, I have no respect for you. Why would I? Just because you're wearing a uniform? No. So, but I pray that people's behavior is, is altered by their spiritual convictions to do what's right and to not be exploited or extorted or blackmailed or, you know, uh, bloodlusty or, you know, like the things we see happening right now in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. And I'll be honest with you, I have not watched one minute of that other than what I saw last night. And it broke my heart to see that boy cry on the stand the way he did. And he literally looked like, I saw Jack Posobiec tweet that what you saw was him manifesting the way a person does who's been traumatized, right? That's PTSD manifesting where he, in real time, he is reliving what happened that night on that stand. And, you know, brilliant move on behalf of his attorneys. I was actually kind of shocked that they would have put that young man on the stand, but they also know that he is traumatized. And if you poke someone long enough and in the right places, if they are still triggered because of post-traumatic stress disorder, they will manifest in real time. And that's what you saw happening on that stand. I've seen it happen in my ministry sessions. It positively happens. When, and that's why you got to be careful about the poking around and triggering people because you don't know what's going to come out. You don't know how they're going to respond to the trauma because your body does hold on to that trauma on a cellular level. So does your mind. And what you saw on that stand is what happened. And it was, 
it was gut wrenching for me as a mother, as a patriot, as a law abiding citizen. It was gut wrenching to see him manifest in the in the manner in which he did. And you know the boy is fighting for his life. And what's even more disgusting is to see the rhetoric around the, the rhetoric around this case. I have to be honest with you, I did not know. And I, you know, bad on me, but I did not know that the the people who were attempting to kill him, who he shot and killed, uh, were white. Why does that even matter? Let me tell you why it matters. Because you have pundits and you have sports people and you have, you know, the sports idols and the sports gods and the pundit gods and all of this have made it, well, you know, like I saw a tweet today that I actually retweeted and I love this pastor and, and we're cool and he's great. But this, this dialogue, you know, kind of, it bothered me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. It bothered me that someone said, you know, they were supporting whatever, uh, uh, who was it that, um, uh, LeBron, of course, LeBron James had chimed in about, you know, white black thing with regard to this whole thing. And uh, he's guilty, throw away the key, blah, blah, blah. Well, there was a commentator who chimed in on that, who happens to be black. And he said, Oh, wait a minute. The dudes he killed aren't black. Well, those that's white people problem. Let them handle theirs. And, you know, we'll handle ours. And, and that was kind of celebrated. Right. And I get it. I get it. I did think it was on some level, it was kind of funny. On the other hand, I'm like, well, wait a minute. Your ability to defend yourself is equally as important as a black person as it is for me. As a white person. This is part of the equality. And in your business, in your life, is my business. And if I'm holding a weapon and you're black and someone's charging at you and you don't have a weapon and you don't have a way to defend yourself and they're coming to kill you and I have a weapon and I shoot your assailants, I bet you it's going to matter then. If I save your life as a white person, it's going to matter to you then. Then it will become real that all of this is our business as Americans. Am I right? So I take great exception to this whole white black divisiveness and listen this has been this has been coming this is why I've been so vocal about it on my show locally in Atlanta for the past 6 years well for the for 4 years on the air that's why I was so vocal about my abject disdain for the leadership of the city of Atlanta not because they're black and I'm white, but because they use that fundamental uh, biological uh, skin difference between us, right? Melanin in terms of our biology being different, right? They've used that to divide further the city of Atlanta. And so this conditioning that has been going on in mainstream media, in Democrat-run cities, in the church, is disgusting, and I knew it was going to lead to this because this is what that type of narrative does. And that's why it's out there is to divide and ultimately conquer. And here we are when Americans can't agree that our right to defend ourselves, no matter what color you are, is paramount to our identity, our sovereignty, our jurisdiction, our dominion as American citizens of the United States of America. When we cannot align on that because of skin color, we've been had. So how do you undo that? How do you unravel that? You have to replace the lies with truth. 
Many of you have signed up for my Bible study, which I have zero idea what our Bible study is going to be about. I'm in prayer about it. I'm super pumped about it. I'm excited that you're excited about it. I'm super geeked. Like, I can't wait. I love y'all's enthusiasm. Y'all are hungry. You're thirsty. So am I. We're going to show up at the same well. And what's really cool is that we're all going to get something different. (laughs) It's going to be amazing. But part of the Bible study's agenda is to speak truth to these lies. Many of you want to start in Revelations, right? Because, or in Revelation, because you believe that you want to know what's going on right now. Well, newsflash, I'm not starting in Revelation. So if you want to be in Revelation, you do your own Bible study on Revelation. I'm not starting in Revelation because we don't have a revelatory problem in terms of, well, who's the beast? And, and is, are we Babylon? And are we the whore? And where's America? And I didn't see, I didn't hear anything about America in Revelation. And, and maybe Daniel ate too much pizza the night before he went to sleep. And, you know, I mean, all of these, you know, arguments that we have, regarding revelation it's this big mysterious spooky book and everybody's trying to connect dots but nobody knows the father so newsflash you're not going to survive revelation without having a relationship with our father you're not going to thrive in revelation do you think that we're just called to scurry off into the corners of this country as the church because we're ruled by lawlessness right now and satan's kingdom appears to be on the throne (laughs) do you think that's what we're called to do and we're just supposed to go survive and scurry off into the corners of of the country come on do i strike you as someone who's going to go scurry off into a corner or who would i encourage you to do the same thing no absolutely not god is our father And God declared that we have dominion. And God said that we have jurisdiction over this earth. And God said that we are seated in Christ Jesus in the heavenlies. And God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. And that is what we're going to focus on. What did our Father say to us that is still applicable and true today? Because he's not a man that he should lie according to his word. He came here to set the captives free. So do you think for two seconds that we should be lining up to continue to go down the path of hell and agreeing with lies? No. So I don't know how this Bible study is going to go. I'm working all that out now. If you want to sign up for the Bible study, you are more than welcome to go to monicamatthews.com. There will be a drop-down menu if you just give give it a moment. It's going to ask you to sign up for my newsletters. That is my database. That's where I need you to go. And you will receive an email uh, within the coming week about how all of this is going to roll out, when you'll get a welcome letter, all of that. This was very organic, very, you know, spur of the moment. And it was very God, to be honest with you, because I did not, you know, I, I have planned on expanding my 10 pegs in the coming year with regard to my ministry, right? And I do consider my media uh, uh, company as a ministry. I'm not a 501c3. You are welcome to contribute to my work on my website. I do not take donations because I am not a 501c3. I believe that whenever you give to God's people, God does exactly what he says he's going to do. Whenever you bring your tithe into the storehouse and you take care of your family first and you take care of others around you and you serve God's kingdom and his people and you bring your tithes into that storehouse and your offerings, 
I believe God is faithful to pour out so much of a blessing that you will not be able to contain it. Your cup will run over. That does not mean that I'm going to write you some tax benefit, some write-off to pay for your 501c3s that Caesar gets to dictate to you who you get to support politically and who you don't, what truth you can say and what you can't. Not me, not this sister. I am for profit. I'm a capitalist. I'm a, what am I? I am a a compassionate capitalist. (laughs) Just like I'm a compassionate conservative. And I'm serious about that. I mean, I think capitalism's the way to go. I think it requires total dependence on God uh, because otherwise all of us run the risk of becoming as greedy as we see the little misers all throughout Congress, all throughout our government, all throughout corporate America and industry. We see all of that manifesting right now. None of us are above it, by the way. We think we are, but we're not. So myself included. So it's something that I have to, you know, nothing has, nothing has uh, befallen any of us. Nothing has tempted any of us. That's not common to man already. Nothing. So, you know, I'm careful about, I don't always remember to do this, but I am coming into a more mature season of doing this in my faith where I just remember, you know, as I am becoming more humble in my faith, God reminds me that, you know, my glass house I, I couldn't buy enough Windex for my house, right? And most of you can't either. And so a lot of us feel very desperate some days because we look around, especially during a trial like Kyle Rittenhouse, and we see what's happening with the January 6th commission. We see what's happening with the January 6th uh, inmates, uh, those who are being treated worse than political prisoners in a third world country right here on our soil. It is despicable. It is disgusting. It is illegal. It is unlawful as hell. It is from the pit of hell. And we see things like that. We go, God, where are you? And it's very easy to start heaving boulders at other people. But I feel like God is, is, is reminding us, hey, you are, um, you know, as long as you're walking after me and my righteousness, you're seeking my kingdom first, I'll add all these other things to you. Be grateful that you have the grace and the wisdom and, and the knowledge and the wherewithal to ask me for wisdom and for grace, and I will pour it out for you. Be grateful that you have faith and you have spiritual gifts. Don't be puffed up in them and proud and boastful, but be grateful. And don't be accusatory toward others who don't have it. I know it's very hard to live by that. Because you see the unjust nature of what's happening. And I'm going to tell you, I mean, psh, the Jesus in me rises up when he's overturning the, the tables in the temple. And especially I see things that go on in the church, man. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? I don't even care about somebody having a jet. Do you all understand? I'm not the one hating on pastors who have jets. I, I just, I don't even focus on that. Here's what I focus on. Is your flock taken care of? Is there anyone in your flock who cannot pay their bills and you're aware of it and you're not helping. That's a problem for me. You having a jet because you're jetting around the world and ministering to all kinds of places and people do your thing, man, whatever. I do have an issue. I take exception to people taking tithes to pull that off. You got books, you got CDs, you got what, you know, hair gel, what toenail polish, whatever it is, toenail clippers, whatever it is that you do to sell that is not the gospel. If you're not selling the gospel, you have a legitimate business, but you're not selling the gospel. 
you know, some people in churches, though, ministries will have you send your love offering and we'll send you this book, right? And okay, that's fine. So back to mine. I'm saying if you have a tip, if you got a love offering, I'm not sending you anything in the mail that says, hey, you know, here's what you, this is, here's your tax deduction. Because A, I don't believe in that. And C, and B, it's just not what I'm doing. I'm not a 501c3. So you're welcome to contribute any amount you want, $5 to 5 million bucks. We will take it and we will be grateful and we will put it to great use here <laughs> at, uh, at Clear Talk Media and Thirst Media. To- total great use. But you can do that at my website. So be patient with the drop-down menu. It will sign up for the newsletter and then you'll get stuff about the uh, Bible study and we're going to have a good time. And some of you might get rubbed the wrong way. I don't know. I'm just going to trust that God's going to bring whomever needs to be here. And, you know, I would encourage you. I, I do want to preface the Bible study with this. If you're tempted to be offended, you're on the right path. If you are just overjoyed and everything I say and everything we do is working for you, that's wonderful. But some of you are going to be offended because my theology or what God has revealed to me does not line up with some of the sacred cows that you have. And that's okay. I want to encourage you to press through it because God will honor you in bringing you into whatever revelation he's trying to get through to you in your life. I have no idea what that could be. But I will tell you this. Anytime I've ever been tempted to be offended, to be offended with someone who was attempting to bless me, a route that was meant to bless me. If I went without offense, it never worked out well for me. If I just stood my spiritual ground and refused to be offended, I acknowledged my feelings about it, but I refused to let it divide and conquer. At the end of that rainbow, and probably actually before, sooner than, uh, more often than not, what I realized is that I would have squashed a major avenue of blessing. That is a life truth of my own that I cannot deny. So um, now I I want to address something else that's kind of a, you know, on my show we talk about life, love, and liberty. So um, something was brought to my attention recently uh, from a friend of mine who is a male. And I thought this would be a good topic to cover Uh, since most of us are professionally in proximity to the opposite sex, okay? And we're going to talk more about this in kind of like a series manner, I think, or just multiple conversations. But I want to drop this in your spirit today, okay? So it was, I've kind of been a little bit of a a personal minister to this uh, person in 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 a friendship capacity. I don't usually make it a habit to minister to men. Um, I think that's, that is more appropriate for men to minister to men, uh, and for women to minister to, uh, women. But when it comes to my friends and, you know, friendly advice, um, and I know the parameters and the boundaries of my relationship with these folks, then I will speak into their life just to, if they ask me for clarity. Other than that, I would encourage you to practice the same thing, especially in this day and age of everyone's offended, everyone's feelings are on, you know, heightened level, and you're about to get excommunicated from your families over vaccines or no vaccines or, you know, whatever. At first it was Trump. Now we've escalated it to vaccines. Then it was masks. Now it's, you know, altering your DNA. So all of that, it causes an enormous amount of division that I humbly believe is completely unnecessary. I don't believe you have to lose your family over these things. I believe you have to choose love. 
And I believe that if you realize that you are quite possibly listening to two different kingdoms, if you, as the person who professes to be godly, will go into your relationships with the knowledge, not the arrogance, but with the knowledge that you're serving two different, not serving, well, maybe, you're listening, you're listening to two different kingdoms, okay? If you will choose to walk in your kingdom of love with the author of love and liberty, you will maintain your peace and you will not be destroyed by people who willingly choose to ostracize you, reject you, abandon you, abandon you and otherwise leave you out because of your choices regarding your physical autonomy. And you can do that professionally as well. Okay? So you have to choose which kingdom you're going to honor. It doesn't make you better than anyone else. It doesn't make you more holy than anyone else. It makes you different. And I'm telling you, as God is my witness, love wins. When you choose that path and you continue to pray for the people around you who have rejected you, who have alienated you, including your employers. When you perform the word that says to pray for your enemies and to bless those who spitefully use you. Bless your enemies is the other way around. Bless, pray, it's all the same. People who spitefully use you, not just use you, but maliciously and spitefully use you, really. Think about that. And that is really hard for most of us. But if you will submit to God the devil will flee. And so submitting to God in that area, the devil who accuses that person to you, who keeps you angry, who keeps you just rage-filled, who keeps you feeling rejected and dejected and abandoned and misunderstood and alienated and alone, who leads you down into bitterness, that's the enemy's kingdom and that's what you're serving. You're submitting to Satan whenever you allow yourself to go down those roads and you don't resist him. So when people say God's going to have to show up, I'm like, you're right. So more of us are going to have to start showing up with God because that's how God manifests in this earth unless you guys are waiting for, you know, literal hurricanes and volcanoes, which are happening, and earthquakes, which are happening. But if you want to see God show up in your respective relationships and in your jobs and in your country, you have to bring him in. And if you don't know the word of God, you won't know what to bring in. You're going to bring a mixture and it'll be diluted. And it will be diluted in its power and its authority and its strength. And ultimately, you leave yourself wide open for the enemy's kingdom. So that's why, another reason why we're not starting in Revelation in my Bible study. We're going to start with our Father. Because if God is not the foundation of our lives and his word and he and his word are one and we're one in the beginning and are still one now and we are in them, if we do not rebuild this country on that foundation, we work in vain and we are building on sand. And we're going to have fun while we do it. So um, back to this whole relational thing. So someone says to me, hey, you know, I've got this thing going on at work and, and, um, you know, this particular, this woman at work, you know, I think has crossed some kind of a, some kind of a line 
uh, with me in, in thinking that, you know, I, I should be there at her beck and call. Um, you know, I'm constantly paying for things whenever we uh, go out and I'm not this person's boyfriend or husband, you know, we're not dating. Um, you know, and I, I don't know, I don't really know how to turn this off because now that I've tried to turn this off, the retribution has started, uh, you know, false accusations have started at work. It's becoming costly and I don't know how to address this. And so I want to address this for all of us. Okay. Because many of you have been in this position or you're in this position now as a single woman, um, as a widow of 22 years, I can tell you with certainty that it is very easy, whether you're at work, you're at church, you're in whatever, your personal life, you're at a bar, I don't care where you are, it is very easy to want to fulfill that fundamental Maslow's hierarchy of needs of being safe, of being cared for, right, um, by any means necessary. And sometimes we are drawn to someone who also has the desire to be a hero, going back to heroes, okay, Um and most men do want to wear a cape, not, you know, a tutu. No offense to those of you who wear tutus. I'm just saying, most men want to save the day. I have a very um, a lovable friend of mine who says, you know, men do things. Every man does what he does for the hand of a woman. And I love that. It's so poetic and beautiful and romantic. And it's true. <laughs> Look at the wars that have been started over women, right? Look at kingdoms that came crashing down over women, <laughs> So it is absolutely true. So I, w- I want to say this. It is very important to understand um, and to create boundaries around your work relationships and to be aware, not only work relationships, church relationships, you know, whatever, Facebook relationships, all of your online little sneaky deaky things you've got going on. Well, you know, we were boyfriend and girlfriend in high school and maybe the Lord really meant for me to marry him. no. No, if he wasn't around for you to marry him then and you marry Tom instead of Steve or Shaquan instead of LeBron, then that's who you married and you made a commitment and a covenant with LeBron or Steve. So that's who you stick with. That's who your covenant's with, not the dude from eighth grade. So all these little things that we tell ourselves, you know, well, I would that would have turned out differently. He's so nice to me. Well, yeah, he hadn't been married to your crazy butt for the past 20 years. So of course he's nice to you. He hadn't had to, or she hasn't had to sleep with your snoring for the past 25 years. So of course she thinks you hung the moon and stars. See what I'm saying? Very subtle, very subtle, very easy to fall into those things. Why? Because we all want to be desired. We all want to be needed. We all want to be loved heard, understood, cared for, protected, very, very basic godly things. That's how we're wired. Things get a little wonky whenever one person has developed an expectation that the other person simply cannot meet, primarily because that person was never meant to meet that need. So my advice was to not demonize the woman in the situation and or women But it was to take personal responsibility for allowing those boundaries to be crossed in the first place and for allowing your um, just inherent desire as a man to protect and to, um, to be a hero to women around you, you know, repent for allowing that to, um, to circumvent the order uh, of the relationship that would have been more appropriate and certainly would have been more godly. And it would have led to a lot less confusion and bitterness, hurt feelings, false accusations, right? 
And so, but when you're not being fulfilled at home, whether you're male or female, it is very easy to fall into these traps. And they are honeypots. They are honeypots of the enemy's making. And what is a honeypot? In the intelligence world, a honeypot is exactly what it sounds like. (laughs) It is something that smells and tastes and looks really pretty and smells really good. And you dip your little toe in the honey and your finger and try to take a little lick of that. And boy, that works out. You're you're done, right? It just draws you in. Kind of like January 6th for a lot of people who ended up storming the Capitol, right? And the FBI created this giant honeypot in the way of... um, of adulterating people's desire to maintain the sovereignty of the nation. They created a honeypot and then incited while entrapping individuals' basic desire to defend this land. Now, some people are crazy when they get in those groups. I'm not going to lie. I'm sure they are. We've seen them. They've been, you know, they've bombed things. They're not, they're not well. And anything can be bastardized, right? But when you start, but when you become the honeypot, that's a problem. <laughs> so, especially if you're inciting otherwise law-abiding human beings. That's just bad. It's not only bad, it's criminal. And that should be adjudicated. So, I digress. Honeypots in your personal lives. You can see them. You know they're there. They usually make you feel good. They usually make everything look better. But they come with an inordinate amount of enormous amount of confusion, um, heartache, division, brokenness. And so I told this person today, as a single woman, the best thing a male friend of mine ever did for me was put me in my place. What do I mean by that? Boy, you guys who love, who hate the patriarchy, I just, I just saw the hair on the back of your neck stand up. But he put me in my place and he did so lovingly because I had an expectation of him that was coming out of fear. And it was really coming out of desperation that something wasn't going to be there for me whenever I needed it to be there. And in, in the, in our, in the midst of our, uh, the flow of our conversation, you know, he realized that I was putting something on him unnecessarily unfairly and that wasn't his to be to fulfill right he's not my husband he's not my boyfriend he's a friend and so it was an unrealistic expectation on my part and it was starting to come out as a demand and entitlement and so ladies you know yourself right you know when you are fearful, you know when you're getting desperate, and you know when you start making demands on people. It's never a good look. Some men love it because they're into that whole, you know, stomp on me thing and, and the whole, you know, the reverse 50 shades of cray. You know, they love it, and, and they hate being emasculated at the same time. Their entire chemistry, their biology has been altered by narratives and tropes for the past 20 years or more. And so we wonder why, you know, they enjoy a woman who will just smack the hell out of them and tell them what to do. Well, in the same time, they, they hate it. They hate it because it goes against how you were created as men from the beginning. It just does. And so I want to encourage you ladies to start paying attention to the people in your life and the expectations you have of them to fulfill things that are not for them to fulfill 
and repent of that and take it back to God to say, you know what? I realized I put this person up on a pedestal because I'm not trusting you in this area. And I am feeling afraid and I am feeling uncovered and I am feeling unheard and undesirable. And I need you to fill all of those gaps for me. And he will because he's faithful. That again is submitting to God, resisting the devil, and then he flees. And so and for you men who are tempted to ride in and save the day, and you think it's harmless and you think it's innocent, and then you get you're like, Well, she's psycho, you know, by the end of by the end of all the crazy, by the end of you trying to save the day, the one time you're like, Hey, I can't do that because, you know, my wife needs me or my kid needs me or my girlfriend, or I just don't feel like it. I've got golf, I'm smoking cigars, you know, having bourbon night, whatever it is. I got Bible study. You know, everyone from every walk of life listens to my show, which I love. And so we're not a silo at my show, thankfully, but I'm serious. If you guys have, have, you know, and you know, you know what I'm talking about. You know, the women in your life and you know, whenever they get to a place where you're like, okay, she has suddenly become just psycho and I don't understand it. And even that, you know, kind of gives you an ego boost because you're thinking, oh, I'm so desirable that she's turned into, you know, Glenn Close. And it's like, no, there's nothing cute or sexy about that. You know, like get yourselves together, gentlemen. And if you see that you have a relationship in your life that is inordinate, it's out of order. It is out of step with God's order of your life. You Do yourself and that chick a favor, uh, that woman a favor, and get that ship on the right track. Get it righted because it is extremely destructive. And the last thing you need is, you know, is to break up your families, break up friendships. It's just unnecessary. So again, it really goes back to, you know, I, what I encourage men to do. And it, for a lot of men, it, it, it just feels counterintuitive because you are, you are wired to be heroes, right? But the biggest thing you can do for me as a single sister is pray for me. You can take my name up to our father and, uh, and leave it there at his altar. And if there are things that, you know, you can help me with, um, and I call upon you to, to help, you know, include your wife in that, include your girlfriend. If you're single, you know, guard your heart. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to be afraid of singles either. A lot of churches don't even minister to singles anymore. It's like, we are the plague of the church. And then you wonder why everybody's shacking up with everybody else and everybody's husbands and wives and uh, diseases. And, you know, the church looks exactly like the world and you wonder why. And it's because no one's really ministering to the hearts and to the souls and the needs and redirecting all of our crazy stuff back to the cross. People are afraid to touch on certain subjects. And then we're also afraid to hold the church accountable. And so when you see one of your sisters in Christ or you see your brother in Christ going over a cliff, I mean, what is the most unloving thing you can do? Remain silent. Now, if you don't have a relationship with that person and you're going to bust somebody upside the head with the Bible because you, you, know, you think your Bible thumping is going to save them, you're wrong. It won't. And you're out of order on that too. But I would encourage you to find a way, find someone in that person's life and also through prayer, you know, intercede on their behalf, intervene and ask God to protect them in the midst of their crazy, in the midst of their falling into honeypots and to deliver them. That's what we're admonished to do, to pray for those who have fallen into traps, lest we fall into the same trap because we're not above it. 
And so that's where my ministry is. And, you know, I could go on and on about this conversation. And, and just we just had such a sober conversation today about this very thing. And I really saw the anguish, um, you know, that this person was feeling around this particular relationship because he didn't want it to become contentious. And he never meant to be in a position where he hurt someone. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I think we naively go into things as men and women who think, well, you know, we're adults, we can handle it. But we're really... You know, most most human beings in this day and age are are really children posing, or wearing big big people clothes. Seriously, all you got to do is look online for the responses that we th- heave at each other. So, you know, if we're going to grow up in this thing called um, righteousness, right? If we want to take our country back, I'm gonna circle back around to the national landscape. If you're going to take quote the country back for the sake of you know, God first and America always. Yes, that was my slogan first. Uh, if you're going to take the country back on those premise on that premise then, and that precept, then you have to start living it in your personal life. And the only way to do that is to seek God and to know what it is that's pleasing and what's right and what's true and to seek him. And he will show you and he will teach you and he will give you an opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to make it um, alive in your life, the gospel will leap from the pages and you will be able to um, apply it to every area of your life. How did we get here, America? Very simply, we abdicated our authority. We abdicated our jurisdiction, our dominion. You know why? Because most people never even knew we had it. All right, you know where to find me, Monica on your talk on Twitter, MonicaMatthews.com, iTunes, Stitcher, my download is everywhere, thankfully, praise the Lord. And uh, hey, be good to your neighbor, beginning in your own mirror. And remember, if you're an American, act like one.